Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Martin Hugh. Welcome or welcome back to another episode of the show. My guest today is an artist I deeply admire and just all around one of the coolest guys out there. It's Mr. Justin Aversano. Thrilled to have him here with us today. Justin is the creator of Twin Flames, the famous collection of 100 photos of twin siblings tokenized on the Ethereum blockchain. He is the co-founder and CEO of Quantum Art, a platform focused on curating digital culture through NFTs. Justin is also the co-founder and creative director of Save Art Space, a nonprofit dedicated to bringing community art to public spaces. Today, we talk about his creative process. We do a deep dive on the genesis of his newest drop, Smoke and Mirrors, which is currently minting. We also talk Twin Flames, Cognition, how narrative plays an important role in his collections and how they all tie together. I've been looking forward to having this conversation with Justin for a while, so I hope you enjoy this as much as I enjoyed recording it. We're podcasting. Justin, welcome. <laughs> We're podcasting. Thanks, Martin. Great to have you on the show. I wanted to start with a question relating to the different mediums that you use. You know, you take photos, you paint, you're a mixed media artist. How does using a paintbrush feel different to you in comparison to a camera? I know you use like silkscreen a lot. Um, how does that feel different? And in, in what context or state of mind do you feel yourself drawn to one as opposed to the other? Great question. And thank you for discussing my process. I think the process is extremely important, how you communicate the ideas and expressions. So I started as a photographer. I've always been an artist. I've always drawn and did other things in photography, but I used the camera to basically like see the world and experience the world since I was a young age. And that process of photographing, you see reality, you see the life as it is, the light, you're chasing the light, you're aware of the light and the shadows and the conditions of what makes a photograph good to you, right? So for me, I was always drawn to street photography, and then I, I moved closer to the subject, which inevitably turns into portrait photography. And so portrait photography for me is how I can connect with other people, seeing their light, see them in their best light and, and, and express that whoever it may be in the world, just like through portraiture. So I really love creating portraits with my film camera. Everything I do is, is analog, starting with film, uh, using the mechanical camera, exposing it, developing it, printing in a dark room. So for me, it's like such a tangible process. Like the world you see around you is ethereal and you use the photography to capture it. But like in the, when you're creating the image to share, it's like a whole entire process in the physical world. So when you move to painting and you add painterly elements of photography, for me, it transcends the entire meaning and symbology of, of the piece. You can see the layers of reality that, you know, without the right instruments, because we have a limited ability of perception mm -hmm. or consciousness, you can, you know, expand on that concept by adding these flair, like a painting, to show the, the world that we cannot see. So I like to look at my photography as the reality and the painting elements as the surreality. So the silkscreen is added to the photograph. And for me, it, like, it conveys the spirit of that person and their aura and their color. And you'll see it in my uh, smoke and mirrors, tarot silkscreens that I'm playing with different dimensions of how you could experience a photograph with the paint and in a way abstracts the photograph to allow you to create your own environment in the, in the image you're seeing. Let me show you an example. So this image is like a test print on newspaper. It's one of my silk screens mm -hmm. um, that I framed. And this is the four of swords card. 
So originally when I do these projects, smoke and mirrors, it started with a black and white image. And then I studied silkscreen and different printing processes. So I was always drawn to silkscreen because it allows you to paint with a photograph. And I like the idea of being able to paint with photography. So in a way, as you can see, the image is just a man on a beach praying to the ocean during a, a thunderstorm. Mm-hmm. But when you add these elements of the orange, it gives you like this very minimalistic landscape that you can transform into a mountain range or a tree. And then the the portrait himself is like his green aura or the spirit that he's like reverberating into the universe. So in a way you could see the spiritual and physical realm of the beings of the humans on, on, in their environments. It's beautiful. So in a way I love to create portraits first and foremost, and then using this medium, it allows me to explore different concepts and themes through the image itself and, and the process. I, I look at, I look at silkscreen kind of like it, you're inside of a camera. So you have the silkscreen. For me, it makes me feel like you're inside of a camera. So you're not just painting, you're in the camera. Silkscreen has a photographic presence to it because to even get the image on the screen, you have to expose it with light chemistry and then image, and then it shows up. Right. So, and then when you're printing, it's kind of like the shutter. So it's uh-huh. like when you're the shutter is this, is this, you're inside the camera, you're the mirror, this is the shutter, the ink is the light, and the paper is the light-sensitive paper that ex- absorbs the image. So it's like, in a way, I'm, I'm, instead of just shooting like I was, now I'm inside the mechanism where I'm creating the image as a way. Yeah, that's really cool. I never thought about it that way. That's how it feels like when I'm printing. It's like, I'm inside of a camera. This is what a mirror does. <laughs> Yeah, because I think the uh, the process of silk screens basically you're you're blocking off certain parts where you don't want the paint to go through, right? Mm. That's what the light sensitive uh, emulsion does, and that's why you have to expose it on the UV board in order to wash away the part you do want the ink to come through, which is the silhouette of of whatever form you're creating. You know, when you're creating photos, when you're taking photos, you get to create with your subject and you know, a community in a sense. Whereas when you work, let's say in your studio right now, you're recording in studio, you're by yourself and you're, you know, you're adding these elements to the photograph. How does that feel different for you? And, you know, what does that process look like? Cause it must be very different when you're working with a subject, right? Cause you kind of have to communicate something with them. Like how much of them do you let out as a subject and how much do you control? Okay, so when it comes to the subject, I'll go as far as back to Twin Flames. Like, I did that project. I asked the twins to meet me in their favorite place or a place that represents them and and wear whatever they want to be themselves. And I met them in that place. And when I did that project, I chose the final image. Out of the 12 photos for each shoot, I only shoot 12 images because I have a Mamiya camera. So that's part of the process is getting the shoot together and whatever you get out of that shoot is what you'll use instead of take hundreds of images. It's like creating in that moment and which is the best role of that moment of those 12 pictures. So we go to, we, we do that first and then I ended up choosing the picture of what I thought was the best representation of, of the twin flames images. But when it came to smoke and mirrors, same concept, 
but with an added layer. It's like I asked the subject to ask me what best place represents them and where whatever they think suits them and also the card. So the tarot card has a big influence on this project because Smoke and Mirrors is a journey through the tarot and I call it the hero's journey. So I like to say that Twin Flames for me was the healing journey and now Smoke and Mirrors is the hero's journey. And what the hero's journey represents is, is like a mythological adventure with all these archetypes that represent different people and each person represents a different card. And so the cards have a lot to do with everyday life, what you're going through, what you're going to go through, what you've been through. And it's a way to universally connect with people through storytelling. And I think that this esoteric concept of the tarot is as could be as old as the Kabbalah and maybe it might be one of the original stories. Like I wouldn't be surprised if someone created a reflection point of the Bible and the tarot because there is these elements of and the characters and heroes and the inspirations of people who are inside of the project can represent in your life too. And I'm sure each person has someone that represents each card in their life. So I like to convey that to the tarot. For example, I'm considered the Knight of Staffs. So if you look at the Knight of Staffs, you see that this is someone who doesn't stop. They keep going, they keep creating, they just move ahead, they move forward in life. And that's pretty much what the card represents is seeing ahead and going for it. And the way I even discovered that I was the Knight of Staffs, and I'll tell you the origin story of Smoke and Mirrors. And this might be the first podcast where I do that. So the origin story of Smoke and Mirrors I just had finished Twin Flames in July of 2018, and, and I have experimented with the tarot for a while now, and crystals, and I love all that stuff because it energizes you, and it inspires me. So sitting in a park in New York City in Tompkins Square Park, meditating with my big 4x5 next to me, and just speaking to the nature, speaking to the park, speaking to the sky, speaking out loud, that... You know, I always wanted a tarot deck and I, I was waiting for the moment for the tarot deck to like appear or like I'd find the right one. But for me, I like looked up and out of nowhere, this bald man in like a black outfit with like a turtleneck came up to me and he's like, fuck the tarot, fuck this black magic. And he just threw this stuff in the air and, he, and it was like 50 tarot, 52 card pickup where it was just like sprinkling down in front of me. And, in the park. No way. <laughs> all these cards hit the ground and I look at the guy and he looks at me and I ask him, are you getting rid of these cards? Can I have them? And he says, yeah, I don't want that shit. And then I picked them all up. I looked up and he was gone. That's crazy. <laughs> and then there was, I got home and I laid all the cards out. And this is a Miss Cleo Egyptian based tarot deck. I laid out all the cards. And I saw that one was missing and I was like, you know, whatever that card that's missing is me. And my journey is to find myself in this project. And, you know, there's 78 tarot cards. There's only 77. And the card that was missing is the Knight of Staffs. So I considered myself the Knight of Staffs. And I started the project and I looked towards my astrologers, my tarot readers, my healers, my shamans that I've been in the community with all over the world and just started and then reached out to people um, in the project to, to like create with them. And I think when you're making art and you want to meet people that inspire you, the best way to connect with these people is through the art and through how you create. So for me, it's photography. So I'm talking about people like Neil Gaiman and Alex and Allison Gray. Like I reached out to them and they, they received my creative um, 
mission and, you know, accepted me in and allowed me to photograph them. And, you know, in that moment allowed me to be, have more confidence in myself as an artist that, you know, I can reach out to anyone and create with them. Cause like, that's what the spirit of creativity does. It allows people to connect through creativity. And for me, like that's my intention. So I'm, I'm able to, you know, work through the tarot and to get back on subject if you're going to ask the question, how did you choose the card for each person? How did you know who was who? You know, every time I was about to photograph someone or had someone in mind, I'd pull the card random from the deck and that was them. Mm -hmm. And I let the card choose you. So when you go to the statement of how do you control or how do you in the moment, it's the, the complete process of photographing is so flow and open and like just being there, presence is really the word. I'd call it just presence and creating presence with the person. And, you know, that's the art form. And, you know, for this project, when the shoot was done, I'd edit the photos, I'd send them to the subject, and they choose their favorite image. So I'm really surrendering a lot of control, a lot of control to the subject right. to 100% truly collaborate in a way where they're choosing how they're represented in the final product. Which for me is like, there were other images I wanted to go with for each person, maybe. And some that were spot on. But I allowed myself to like let that go and, and really let that person show themselves through the work and the card and the piece without me like judging or, or interpreting it or choosing the best that I would have. I think it's an interesting way to connect with the subject and allow them to have a participation in, in the ongoing process. And when you, when you go to the silkscreen part, I also ask the subject, what are your, what colors do you want to represent your car? And they either gave me one color or two colors. And I worked with that in, in the images. So again, when I'm printing, I am by myself, but in a way I'm influenced by them still here of what they asked of me of what I wanted them to contribute. So in a way, the participation of the subject pierces through the entire art making session from from inception of the image to the final print product as an artist as a creator is that something that you've developed over time or you were always pretty much drawn to that because i feel like you know myself included i do a lot of photography but mostly like culinary photography and cocktails so i mean my subjects are pretty much static so i get to move them like i want them to where, where i want them to be but there's always this, this need to reach a certain type of like perfection or thinking that you can make something better. But it seems to me like your, your process is very raw. How do you foster that? Just by letting go? It's when you're creating, you have nothing else to do but let go and let the moment present itself because you're putting yourselves in uncontrollable circumstances of the location, what they're wearing, the light. You're just showing up. And I think part of the art is showing up mm. both on the subject side and my side and like wanting to show up and wanting to create. And, you know, there is no control in the shoot. You're only, you're only in control of how you're moving the camera. That's true. Everything else, you're just like dancing with it. It's a dance with the other person and how you create something. I think that's your ability to create a lot as well. That's what I noticed from a lot of your collections is that it is a body of work that has, uh, for example, you, you would shoot a photo like every single day for like a year 
And, you know, there's quality and volume in the collections that you put out. Like, and I guess like through that repetition, you kind of just naturally surrender, right? Like you can't be overly critical about everything that you put out. You have, like, that's also part of the process. It's you are creating with what you have and nothing more. And I think that's the beautiful thing about every day is a gift. I literally only took one picture per person. And if that was was the worst photo I ever took, or is the best photo I ever took, that photo is the artwork. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to look at yourself as an artist to say, damn, that picture sucks. I, w- I won't do that again. And at the end of the day, what you have there is a lesson in what you don't want to do. Huh. Even And one of those days represents that picture. I could point out a few in the birthday project and Twin Flames and every project. That's how you get better. You can't just show your hundred best. Mm. You have to sh- like me. My hundred best is the hundred pictures. That is the entire process. And what made me best is seeing how bad that photo was and how never to do that again. And how do you find these people? Like for example, like the every day is a gift. Like did did you just contact them? Do like- so. I was going to school at the time at art school, so a lot of people knew I was doing this project, and it was already you know there's thousands of people who go to art school. But every day I didn't know someone, whether it was a friend or a colleague or something. I would walk around with a sign that says, is it your birthday today? Until I found someone. <laughs> it's cool. Check their IDs to make sure it is. So, you know, I would do that on average two to six hours, depending. Um, and I'd always find somebody. And I think that project, why it was so early, was it was the project that inspired me to really get out there and, and practice shooting subjects and be instead of street photography, shooting portraits in a way where it's like I was forced to shoot portraits. And now I love shooting portraits because like, that's my medium. That's my, that's my style is to work with people and, and capture their light in a beautiful way. And that makes them look like a hero. And, and going back to Smoke and Mirrors, it's all about, and Twin Flames, it's all about creating the mythology of heroes in people. You want to see the people at their best. You want to see them triumph. You want to see them in that light. And that's what I try to create with, with all my work, with all my images. Let's talk a bit about cognition. Can you tell us about the story behind this body of work? Yes. So I just had finished every day is a gift. That was from 2012 to 2013, every single day, found someone every day shooting a Polaroid of someone on their birthday. And after that project, my mother passed away in 2014, January 18th. And that year I was so distraught. I had just graduated art school in May and I wanted to put photography down for a little while because I was just so burnt out and went through school and went through this major project. I needed to take a break and I wanted to explore painting again. So, you know, I did another 365 project called cognition, which allowed me to express my, my sadness, my anger, my fear, all these things through collage. And I think collage is the best medium to heal yourself and see yourself and learn about yourself when you're putting together pieces um, from materials from all over, whether it's sculptural or painterly or photography of mine or magazines or things from the street. Um, it just shows you where you're at in your thoughts. Like at the beginning, I felt like I was bad at it. And then by like the 10th, 12th piece, I was like finding my groove and then experimenting the different ways a canvas can be used. And I thought this is a great practice 
to be a better painter and be a better illustrator and be continue being consistent, continue creating art, focus on the creative instead of the sadness, which can easily pull you down. So for me, it, it saved my life because it enabled me to heal and, and put my emotions in, in a picture then hold it all in. So I did that for a year. One of them was stolen. So the, I made it a painting the next day called original stolen. Um, so there was only 364 pieces in the one that I had that I did that day is somewhere in the world. But we recently did uh, what I call taking your power back piece yeah. with proof of the condition zero. So for me, that was me like putting the 365th piece, creating a new piece for that and making that the addition for proof and, and taking my power back from the person who stole that painting. So in a way, it was like cathartic to create something that could be shared with hundreds of people than just one person and, and bring that community together through one piece. I think that's the, um, the beauty of NFTs is the ability for you to add narrative to a lot of these collections that perhaps you've worked on in the past and now you can kind of revisit them, make a new collaboration around that and kind of like reignite what was once something that you worked on. And uh, you, you said a word that I love and it actually describes cognition very well, I think it's cathartic. Mm -hmm. I feel like in uh, cognition compared to Twin Flames, Smoke and Mirrors, as well as every day is a gift. It's more colorful. There's a lot of things happening in every composition. Can you tell us about that process? Like, you know, how did you create those pieces? And were you just like going through magazines and, and just letting the flow guide you or? I always let the flow guide me in everything I do. And you'll know when you're not going with the flow, <laughs> trust me. <laughs> but yeah, going back to your question, it, it really was just, having 365 canvases ready and over the years collecting magazines from stoops from yard sales and um school like when they give away books so for me it was like i was ha i had all this stuff i knew i wanted to use i was hoarding materials and objects too i found on the street and whatever that you could recreate but for me, it was like, I have this confines of the canvas, six by six canvas. I'm going the birthday project mode on this where I'm consistent, creating something every day. And I knew that I would find, like, I like humor. And in the painting series and my old street photography, you'll see I have a lot of humor. So for me, what the name of the pieces were every day was I would find, like, a headline that I just saw words and I put them together and... I love this free associative process because I really think it helps you discover your unconscious through the fixed free association process. It's, it's from the surrealist school and I love surrealism going back to, you know, smoke and mirrors, surrealistic view on photography through painting. I studied surrealism and different forms and I like to create that ephemeral effect and bring it to another place outside of reality. So those paintings, enabled me to create forms and words and symbols. I like working with symbols and I love collaging because you could put characters together through different forms that you never thought you could. And on those paintings, you'll see a lot of these things, what I call no things are like these little cycloptic humanoids. So you'll see the no things. It's something I created in the project. 
And it's really, you know, each, each piece represents a different day and mood and expression. And like, if you read some of the titles of the pieces, it's like, yep. it's funny. I like to be funny. I like to be, I like to be honest. And some, there's some harsh honesty in, in, in those pieces as well. It's like, whoa, you know, there's some high notes, there's some low notes. There's days I was like, wow, that one's not that good. And it's fine. This might be a broad question, but I'm curious to know how you see photography evolving in the NFT space. Oh, this is good. Photography, I think, is growing more in the space. I think it takes a lot of time. I think a lot of people are focused on generative art because we come from a, a tech-based um, community of everyone involved in NFTs. It's like you have a background in tech or you're an artist. That's how I see it or have come to see it. Because when I entered the NFTs, I didn't know anything about tech. I was always focused on so, so much art. That's all I knew. That's all I could think about. So being introduced to where we are in NFTs allowed me to open my mind to tech and, and different tools. So I see in the NFT market, and there's a lot of players that are creating amazing dynamic NFTs, you know, the Transient Labs and what we're doing at Quantum and Manifold, all these people are actually supporting a lot of photographers. And I think all these photographers are, are able to release editions. And we're seeing so many editions recently. Whereas when I started, I, I had a collection to drop and people liked collections. And what was the rarest of the collection or the coolest of the collection? And you know, that's, that's what I dropped. I haven't done an, an open edition, but I've been, I'm, I'm more focused on putting out in the world thoughtful collections from all my major projects and, and focus on those stories and, and those concepts. I think you'll see a lot more limited editions because it's just easier to support photographers at a more accessible price. Because a lot of photographers are worth five, ten ETH on super rare and foundation. And a lot of people can afford that or, or want to risk that. Um, I think editions are a great way to get thousands of collectors at a really affordable price, which also mimics in the real world printing editions. Mm -hmm. So it's no different. And when you think about photography, the history of photography was there, there was always an edition. There was never one-on-ones. What are your thoughts on open editions? There's a lot of amazing artists working in open editions that are really thought out and like have a, have a long-term plan. I've been speaking to some collectors about this personally and you know, people fear scarcity. It's like when you have an open edition, how does that affect your other collections? Um, if you care about that, you know, I necessarily don't want to touch open editions unless I have something that aligns with and has a good conceptual basis. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense for my process. It might make sense for everyone else or other people's processes. But for me, I'm so focused on the projects. It doesn't make sense at this time to do anything unless I had a thought out plan on what the project can be in, in the world than just dropping something to sell. So I'm, I'm mainly focused on telling a story and creating a community and body of work mm. than just selling like a, some, one of my images. Like I can't even think of something I, I would sell if I could because I'm so streamlined into the entirety. So, you know, open editions are great for artists, but I do see a lot of collectors just like complaining. Yeah, I, I feel like the way 
open editions can work as a, it's almost like a parallel to social media in a sense by like broadening your audience. If that can, you know, if that can make sense, let's say you start out as an artist that is not super well known, it can be beneficial to reach more people. Yeah. But yeah, I, I guess like it gets tricky when you're already well known and you have these other pieces that are worth like five, 10 ETH or an, an ETH. And then all of a sudden you drop uh, an open edition that, that brings a lot of volume to the market. That's where you have to be a bit more thoughtful. Yeah. I mean, I'm still looking at it and, you know, some people were pushing me to do one and I had to like stand my ground and say, no, like this doesn't make sense for me. And that's okay. Like you don't have to drop things if everyone else is, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm okay. Like, so what's next for, for Justin Aversano? Like, what are you like, excited about? What's next? I mean, I'm mostly focused on what is happening now and that's mostly f- sustaining and taking care of my community, my collectors, my, my body, my health. And also, you know, focus on the collections I put out there, focusing on Twin Flames, continuously telling that story and exhibiting it, focusing on smoke and mirrors and and having four exhibitions this year in L.A., New York, Berlin and Paris and and tell the story and, and invite the community and help understand what the mythology of this project is about, because everyone knows Twin Flames. But I really want to introduce the world to smoke and mirrors because that's the most current project that I've released, that I've been working on since four years. And there's a lot of interweavability between each project. If you look at the birthday project, Every Day is a Gift, there are twins and people that you'll see in Twin Flames or Smoke and Mirrors. And I like to weave all these projects together. So when you think about Justin Aversano, don't think about Twin Flames, think about the entire artistic journey, which encompasses Twin Flames, Smoke and Mirrors, Every Day is a Gift, because they're all connected you can see the connection when you look at the people when you see the pieces you see the evolution of the processes it's just one long interwoven web of community and creation and processes Mm. and i like the idea of easter eggs so it's like there's a bigger story to be told that i might not even know of until 10 years from now that also weaves these things together maybe there'll be twins that i shot as babies in every day is a gift will be in my short films in the next year like and you see them grow and you see people evolve not just the artists but the people in the pictures evolve too as humans so you know my my work of art is all connected and the stories and the themes are so in line with with where i'm heading with with art and myself and on this journey of creativity I think that's what's beautiful about NFTs, right? Like you, you have the, the provenance and the ability to keep giving value in perpetuity or actually like add, add context to whatever you created, you know, a year or 10 years from now, right? Things get so messy when, when it's like, you can't think about how will this work drive value? You have to think of your heart. You have to know you have value, you have worth. The art is just an extension of that. And, mm. um, you know, like you can't even promise people that this is going to be worth something or this is, you should buy this because that, that's illegal. But, you know, when it comes to art, I think you can't pollute it with, with, at least the artist shouldn't pollute their mind with how I can make money on this as, as the intention. That should be a byproduct. So for me entering this, it's like, I'm releasing this work 
there's a reason why up until now I haven't talked about it or did any Twitter spaces or posted other than giving people the opportunity to collect my work. You know, that's the difference. And this is the year where I'm like going all out and why this project matters and maybe even matters more than Twin Flames because it's more current and more universal. You know, Twin Flames is very personal, but a lot of people can connect with it. I want to like showcase this work as the next step. Mm-hmm. That's how is, how is this person as an artist evolving, as a human evolving? Like, I don't want people to get caught up on old things. You want them to go on the journey with you and not look at you from at your best. You know, you want people where they meet you mm-hmm. and constantly changing and constantly evolving. And, you know, I'm just grateful that we get to talk about all this. I love to hear your perspective. It's, it, it almost makes me think of, you know, books that I read sometimes. If you read a book, say two months ago, it might not hit you the same way if you read it today, right? Or five years from now. And I feel the same way about art. So that's how I felt about Twin Flames from when I started it until when I think about it now. It's like, it's always a different story as you mature and you have better insight on yourself and the world around you. And then you can dive into deeper thoughts. So for me, I've been looking at Smoke and Mirrors for four years now. And now it's like, it's every time I look at like these prints, for example, when I was hanging these prints on the wall, this is the Nine of Staffs on silver. Ah, oh, that's beautiful. That we're going to be showing at Gabba Gallery on March 25th here from, as my first solo show in LA um, and for this project, Smoke and Mirror. So you know, now it's time to show the work and talk about it and tell the story. And I call these tarot scrolls because they're papyrus, silk screens. Wow. And they're like a magic object. And for me, it's like, how do you bridge, how do you bridge the ancient world of humanity with, with the future? And I'm very in line with connecting the past, present and future in a loop of unity. So I look at the blockchain, I look at NFTs as like the futuristic version of how this, what I call neoglyphs, like new hieroglyphs, because photographs are basically how we see the world in, in like as the reality, just like when they were making hieroglyphs, they were making drawings of palm trees and and waves. And and then we had text language. And now I'm bringing it back to image language of what does the photo represent? How do you communicate that? How can that be what I call a new hieroglyph? And when you think of the papyrus and the image, it's like that's its own level of hieroglyph. But when then you mint it on the blockchain, then it really truly becomes the futuristic version of what a higher neoglyph can be, which is something that's archived and stored. And it's a story. So I like that idea and playing with that idea and, and the process itself, shooting analog, printing ancient paper, and then photographing it and minting it. It's like all these elements, all these layers of process really ground it in reality and also can display it in, in online. And I think, Going through the, the tangible to the ethereum, ethereal, it, it goes on its own journey to how we can experience it. Right. I want to go through a couple of technical questions about the gear that you use. Like being a, a photographer as well, I'm always interested in these things. What do you usually shoot with these days? I mainly shoot with my 4x5 and my Mamiya and my Fuji 
Uh, do you have a favorite lens? No, just use the lens that's on the camera. I don't really get nerdy in the gear, just the camera. You know, it's like the tool is the camera. And, you know, I can totally like show you my digital with the, with, with the 24 to 7, 105, but like. I, I heard on um, another interview that you did that you still use like the Polaroid camera a lot, right? Oh, yeah, for everything I do. I love the pole. I grew up with it and it was my first experience with photography and it was my first major project that if you look at all my other projects, Twin Flames and Smoke and Mirrors and even my new project I'm shooting now with Super 8, I always take a Polaroid for each person. For me, I shoot the Polaroid first and then it kind of like disarms the subject in a way where it's like, it's like this button that you push that's like eases the entire process. And then after that shot, it's like, okay, you work through the moment and the light and, the, and you do the dance. And do you have to guide the subject as, as you're shooting the person? Like, is there a specific emotion you're trying to convey or you just say, you know, just go for it, have fun? I'm just in the moment with them. And, you know, sometimes people need direction and other times they're just doing it. And you, you, get, you respect that and, and work with it. With quantum, quantum art, what you guys are building, I find it's fascinating. Do you, do you think the same philosophy that you talked about here with like, you know, creating works of art that really have a story where you can kind of tie it all in, is that something that you want to push forward as well with quantum? We've always been doing that. Like we've always been finding the work that tells a story that has meaning that would be at exhibitions and museums and galleries around the world with emerging artists right now we're hyper focusing on a curated onboarding of like art world uh, artists and also emerging photographers and nfts and really we want to deliver the best we want to tell the best stories of the artists that we think should have you know their stories told and you know we've been doing that with all our artists and photographers from season one to four and if you look at, if you look at the artist statements of each artist you'll you'll really be like you'll understand why we dropped that because it has just like with my projects that consistency that theme that tells a story what inspired you to pick up the the, the camera like like is there a particular person that like you were like oh my god i didn't even know you could create this type of imagery with a camera you know i kind of just came to it myself hmm. Like I literally was like, I want a camera. I need to create. And I saved up everything I could at that age, of like 13. And I bought a camera and the camera came without a lens. And I was like, <laughs> what the hell happened here? Why isn't there a lens? And then I contacted the company and they sent me a free lens because they made a mistake on their listing. And, and that for me was like an inspiring moment of you got to ask for what you need. And even if it's a big company you're going against, you got to hold them to their word. Like, yeah, I bought, I bought that camera and then I was so, I felt so good about myself for just like getting the lens. It kind of made me even fall in love and more in love with photography. because it felt like there's something here that makes, that makes magic sense in, in, the, in the world, how you carry yourself. And so Do you still have that camera by the way. No, I actually gave it away to someone so they could start being a photographer. Oh, that's awesome. Have you dabbled with the uh, AI art at all? Yeah, I have actually. What are your thoughts on that? Is it something you want to explore more or you just like 
curious to know. I'm just ex- excited to experiment with it, and if it's useful as a tool or inspiration or some sort of way to convey your message or idea in the world that requires it, I think it it's a tool, and people can use it. I used it in a recent drop with Nat Geo, mm-hmm. and I'm grateful I was even allowed to use a photo manipulated artwork as a, as something to show with Nat Geo. I thought that was pretty interesting. As a final question, because I want to be um, wary of your time as well, for an artist that's beginning, whether it's a photographer, whether it is a painter, people that want to make it their profession and make it something that they do on a daily basis and actually live from it. What, what would be an advice that you could give to those people? Um, coming from someone that had to basically hustle to buy your first camera to now having one of the most prolific collections uh, out there in terms of like photography as an NFT, like what is that process like? And, and have you learned something through those years that helped you personally as well? Wow. We're going to need to spend another two hours on that. <laughs> I think just keep it very simple. It's different for everybody. People could have a success if they pick up a camera next week. You know, that's whatever success defines you. But for me, you know, it's a lifetime of work and it's a commitment and, and motivation. And like I said earlier, a way to see the world that makes me happy and makes me feel connected to people and, and the environment and myself. So for me, it's like a spiritual, personal journey. It's beyond career. It's a way of experience. And I've been experiencing it since I was young and, and it opens my world to people. And I think that's the beauty of photography for me. I don't think I have a general advice other than find what you love to do and do it wholeheartedly and unapologetically and just be yourself in the way you communicate in the world and want to express yourself. And for me, that's the camera. And for me, I did go to school for it and attempted to make a career out of it. And knowing, knowing I have a goal of being a museum, being a fine artist, being a conceptual artist and being trained to do those things. So I have my expectation of myself is so high because I want to reach those high places. I, You put yourself in the places and positions and, and try to connect with people who are part of those you know, idealistic worlds you want to create for yourself and, and make it happen. I don't think it's not easy to do. And maybe, maybe it is. Maybe I'm, I'm taking the long way. Who knows? <laughs> But I'm, I'm happy and I'm learning. And I think that's the most important part is, are you growing and learning or are you still? And maybe you need both. Maybe, maybe it's a balance between stillness and growth. I think that's great advice. And what you said about keeping it simple, I think it holds true to a lot of things in life, whether it's a business that you're building, whether it's a, you know, the art that you're creating, we tend to want to overcomplicate as an excuse not to do stuff. Like I, I know when I first started doing photography, I thought I needed the best gear. And like, I, it's the same thing with starting a podcast. You think that, you need to start with like a super professional setup, but you know, in the end, all you really need is like a phone that has a mic. You can do Twitter spaces. Same thing with like photography. Now your phone can actually do amazing photos too. So it's, it's, it's just funny, like, uh, to see the, the evolution. 
We're evolving. Yes, sir. Justin, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. I want to take just a final sentence to acknowledge you. I think you're doing incredible things in the space and you're also giving a voice to the artists that need it through platforms like Quantum. And, you know, at the end of the day, like you're inspiring not only this generation, but you're going to inspire the next generation to create too by weaving these interesting stories between different collections. I think you're, you're actually building a really nice narrative here that uh, goes deeper than just the, the surface level. So thank you for what you're doing and thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you. And cut. That's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please consider leaving a rating or review on Apple, Spotify, or any other platform you're listening on. Your feedback is always super helpful. So if you could take 13 to 35 seconds of your time to share some thoughts with me, I'd really appreciate it. Thank you again for listening and until next time.